0: Welcome back for hour number two. Sorry, a little bit late getting back into it, but I was uh, taking care of business. Maybe a little, yeah. We need a little uh, Bachman Turner overdrive here. Anyway, I was taking care of some business we've got to try to fix today. and uh, But now we're ready to get started for hour number two. Thanks for listening. Uh, just real quick, this is the last week of Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. It's going to be a brand new show available online only coming up a week from today, April 3rd, from 730 to 830. And if you want to listen live, if you want to watch on Facebook, if you want to watch on YouTube, um, right now I don't have a backdrop for my uh, dining room, so you're going to see portraits of my two daughters and my daughter-in-law in their wedding gowns as a backdrop, which that'll be great. I mean, they're beautiful, so what could you, you really couldn't ask for more. Um, but anyway, His radio talk is coming to an end at midnight this coming Friday, 91.9 and 89.7 at that moment. We'll switch over to a music format, and I will not be here in the studio next Monday doing the program like I've done for over 20 years. I will be sitting at my dining room table, and the place that you'll be able to hear it is drtonybeam.com, drtonybeam.com. You should be able to watch on YouTube or Facebook Live. Uh, I've got it set up so that the minute I hit the show, um, it'll automatically throw it up to Facebook and YouTube. And you should have a streaming button on the website. This week, it's going to go up. If you go there now, you're not going to see it. But it, I'm being told that we're going to be able to get that up this week, and we'll be able to um, to to do this. So. You can go to the website, drtonybeam.com, and you can hit it and you can listen live wherever you are. Uh, you can watch it, as I said, live on Facebook and YouTube. And then later, you can download the podcast. I've got a brand-new icon. We're working on getting it up there. It's it's kind of um, uh, based around the title of the new show, which is Truth and Politics with Dr. Tony Beam. And I'm going to need your help. I mean, you know um, – you know, I'm going to have to build an audience. I mean, I'm hoping that our uh, Facebook audience is going to come on over, and I'm hoping that we'll build a new audience on YouTube pretty quickly. And I, But you need to tell people. Help me tell people. Use your Facebook pages. Um, if you're on Twitter, use Twitter. By the way, you'll be able to email me. I've got an email address that I can't access yet, so I'm not going to give you the email address yet. But there will be an email address where you can email me And I'll be able to look at the emails while I'm doing the show. So if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me via emails. You can tweet. You can, if you're on Twitter, you can pull up your Twitter account. And if you put it out there, I'll see it. If you tweet me uh, or send me a tweet, I'll I'll see it on the uh, website. So I'm going to be able to look at all this while I'm doing the show. Now, I'm I'm not going to be able to, I can't monitor everything. I'm doing it by myself. So Um, you know, the best way to contact me, if you want to put comments on Facebook, please do that and please interact with each other. Um, but if, if you want me to, to see something that you specifically want me to address or to say to me while I'm doing the show, you'll need to email me and I'll have that email address for you before the end of the week. And it'll be plain how it can be picked up off of the website. So in any event, um... It's going to be a new experience, but I'm not going away. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Austin's going to be here to co-host with me. Wednesday will be Corey Truax. Thursday will be Hannah Miller, and we're still we're still working on Friday. So, um, but it just just know that if you've listened to this program for years and you like it, and I have a lot of you who tell me that that's so, um, we're going to be able we're going to be able to continue. It's just going to be in a different format, a different way. So I hope that you'll um, make plans to join me. Other programs that you listen to on his radio talk, some of them are doing the same thing. Dr. Jackson, Hannah, um, uh, you know, Corey, you'll, you'll still be able to hear those programs as well. Um, people that, you know, I've, I've kind of in one way or another kind of helped launch along the way. Um, not necessarily Dr. Jackson, but certainly Hannah and Corey. Um, And even Josh, when he had his program, Senator Kimbrell now. But uh, you'll you'll be able to hear, not Senator Kimbrell, but the others that are now on radio. You'll be able to hear them. You're just going to have to use a little bit different technology. Uh, It's not going to be on a radio station like it is now. And believe me, (laughs) this has been easy, okay? I mean, you know, people say, well, getting up at 430 in the morning is not that easy. Yeah, once you get into the routine, it's not too hard. Um, coming in here uh, every day, that's been, that's no problem. Um, And all I have to do is sit down here, and Gary's sitting over there, and I open the microphone, he opens it for me, and I do the show. Well, (laughs) you know, that's going to change, because when I'm doing this from my house, I'm going to have to be mindful and doing the production of the show, as well as um, everything else. So, it's going to be it's going to be a new experience, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm not ready to to walk away. I'm 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 not ready to retire. Gary's Gary does I mean he's needs to retire. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for him that not that he needs to, but he wants to. He's ready to and um to enjoy um the benefits of retirement. But um I've got some more years that I want to have some type of um, you know, a way to have a presence. And so this is the way that a lot of people are doing it now. And I know there are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, I believe. I saw a number the other day, something like 790,000 different podcasts. So there's people that just get lost in podcast world. And I don't want that to happen to me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing something that's unique. The name of the show is going to be Truth and Politics and Culture. And I am going to apply biblical truth to what is happening in the political world. I'm going to be doing what I do now, but it's going to have a little bit more focus on why, as Christians, and how, as Christians, we should engage in the public arena. We need Christians to raise their voices, but we need to do it in a way that honors Christ. And, and, and some people say that can't be done. I mean, I've had people tell me, yeah, I'm a Christian, but when I get out there in the public arena, I'm going to fight like the other side does, because if I don't, I'll get rolled over. Well, can I just tell you something? That denies the power of God. That's basically telling God, I can't honor you, God, in this part of my life, because if I do, I'm going to lose. Tell that to David when he went out to fight Goliath. Tell that to Gideon when he took 300 and defeated the Midianites, who were more numerous than the sand of the sea. See, we, we do things as believers because we've been remade into believers by Christ. We don't, we, don't, we don't just switch tactics because we change environments. Jesus goes with us everywhere we go. That's the point. John. John welcome
1: are you sure
0: <laughs> yeah I'm sure
1: <laughs> Gary, Gary Gary told me just a minute ago that we went uh, we went over this Friday already and uh, there's nothing that can be done and I had to remind him that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days
0: ah, so, yes, um, true. you know true. we're
1: in the final week listen I, there are a couple of points I don't really want to to, to, to pound on a dead horse, but I, I did feel that there were some really key points that need to be made. Okay. Um, one of the things I would like to ask and have hanging out in the air is this, um, exactly what would it take to keep the format going as it, as it is right now, but let me, let me make my other points before you even launch into that, if you would, please, I'll be very quick and, and direct. Um, you, you, you basically gave me my argument when you said we've had people get lost in podcast world. And you said that there's 790,000 podcasts going on out there now. That, that's, that's burying the message. I mean, that's, it, it's just, um, you know, I think Satan is actually taking advantage of, of that sort of situation. You have to be extremely deliberate to look for your podcast. And there are multiple things that could take you off of the air, um, and, and there, it, it's just um, radio is is not an old person's medium, so to speak. It is is a highly effective medium at, at broadcasting um, to uh, poor people, people who can't afford to have an iPhone or a, or a, um, a, a MacBook Pro or other things like that, and who can't afford to to up, upkeep um, their uh, accounts. So. You know, you, you're when you're saying podcast equal ninety one point nine. His radio talk, no, they don't. And and yet you have to be extremely deliberate to and know what you're looking for and want to find it before you can find any any of the teaching that is on uh, WHRT. You know, and so you can do that with radio, you can't do that with podcasts. Podcasts only supplement radio, and really, uh, you know, one feeds back into the other. You know, I'm an old newspaper guy and who, who thinks he's still 27 years old at 65, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's my nature, and I've always been that way. I've always said that I would never get ossified. But here's here's the thing, it, you know, you, it, the key point is that you have to be a you can't stumble across something easily on a podcast in podcast world with seven hundred and ninety thousand podcasts. Well, hold up, out John.
0: There. Hold it, up, John. Hold up. Um, I I misspoke. I I don't know where I got that number, but I just Google the number to see how many uh, Spotify alone has five million podcasts. So I know that. Okay. All right, but I know and I know. Look, that's making your point. But let me jump in here, John, and let me just tell you. If that's true, then I just need to quit. I just wasted a bunch of money putting stuff in my house to make it possible for me to continue in some form or another. See, you're telling me I, I know what you mean. You you mean that you're telling me reasons that the station should keep me on. And I get that and I appreciate it. But let me assure you, I did everything that I could. Okay? I I I talked to the I I have no influence here beyond the fact that I've been doing this radio show for 20 years. And that doesn't make me the owner, the manager, the nothing. And when the decision gets made, for whatever reason, that they're going to do music, that's what's going to happen. So I've got a choice to make. I can, I can go away with my tail between my legs and go, woe is me, I've lost my platform, or I can reinvent what I'm doing and make try to make it work am I sure that this is going to work? Are people going to listen? Or is is enough people going to follow me to make it worth it to get out of bed and do an hour every morning? I have no idea. But I hope so. But I mean, that's my choice. So when you're telling me, well, there's five, you know, or I look it up, you think that I just looked it up because I'm five million. I'm like, God, John's right. What the heck am I doing? Why does anybody want to listen to me? I mean, how do you even get heard in a market like that? But it is possible. I mean, all you have to do. I mean, you you can do a search. You know, the internet's an amazing thing. You can go and put. You can put Doctor Tony Beam, and it'll pull up the podcast. You can put uh, Truth and Politics and Culture. It'll pull up the podcast. You can go to the website. You can listen live. And by the way, the website. When you go there, you can actually just click on a on a button, and it'll subscribe you to the podcast. I mean. I'm making it as easy as possible for people who want this content to be able to get it. So if you want to help me, help me by telling everybody this is the new way to listen to Tony Beam. If you like him like I do, this is where you're going to find him.
1: Tony, can I make another point before you hang up on me?
0: Well, I've never hung up on you, and of
1: course well, Okay, you no, I, I'm just saying, I, I was trying to make a point a minute ago, and you, you talked over me, and I didn't, you know. I, I, listen, this is not just about you. It's about getting God's word out from, from people like David Jeremiah. You know, I think Chip Ingram's in there, Joyce Meyer. You know, I was weeping over losing Joyce Meyer in a funny little story about my Maltese dog, where right. the Lord used that to right. bring me back to him, with me sitting there laughing about, you know, the the, the fact that my dog barked over um, Joyce Meyer. You know, my Maltese barked when Joyce Meyer said that she had a Maltese, and my dog recognized it and barked. I mean, it was just hilarious. And the Lord got my attention with that. So, you know, the Lord used TV at that point. Um, He's going to continue, and I want to encourage you. One of my gifts is the gift of encouragement. And I want to encourage you that the Lord will direct people to you. I'm just saying that I don't want to to see everything else that um, that W H R T is um, his radio talk really is just go off of the air because it is unique. It is getting God's word out there, and you know the Scripture talks about I can't remember where it is. I'm going to look it up in my concordance in a little bit. But you know, there's coming a famine of of God's word, and and. You know, music is wonderful. I've, I've loved his radio um, for many years, but you guys are unique. You stepped in behind um, uh, WRAF over in Tacoa when they went off of the air. And you filled in a spot, and I prayed for, for somebody like you guys to come along, and somebody pointed out to me, hey, have you listened to 91.9? And I went, no, I haven't. And I went, good grief, these people are even better than, than WRAF.
0: John? We, I, I apologize. I do. But we have to go because now here's one thing that's not going to happen on the podcast. I'm going to be able to talk for a solid hour. and Nobody's going to be able to interrupt me or tell me to shut up or we got to go to a break. Look, I don't like change. I mean, I'm 65 years old. You know, I mean, young, younger people, young, younger generations, they uh, seem to embrace change. It's just part of everyday life. And I'm trying to embrace change, um, and, and I will embrace change because it's inevitable. I mean, if, if you're going to live as long as I have, and hopefully I get to live a while longer, um, if, if, if you're going to do that, you're going you're gonna to face change. I mean, good grief. Um, you know, I started out working on my bachelor's degree as a bachelor of music education, I was going to be a band director. That's that's what I thought when I got out of high school and went to college on a music scholarship. That that's what I do. And look at look at the amount of change that's just happened in my life. I mean, you know, I I was I was never a band director. Um, I was in radio. Then, after that, the greatest change that can ever happen to a person, a human being is the change that comes when they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. That put my whole, my life on a wholly different path. I, I ended up going to seminary, um, still thought that I'd be doing something with music because my seminary degree is a Master of Divinity with church music, a degree I don't think they even offer anymore. But I was going to be a worship leader, and then God clearly called me to to preach and to proclaim the gospel, and then my life changed again. I served as a pastor for Uh, almost 14 years, and a senior pastor. And then my path changed. I ended up going to North Greenville University. I've been there for almost 20 years doing very different things. I started out as an assistant for Joyful Sound, as an assistant director, director for Joyful Sound, and the director of the Christian Worldview Center. Well, then I became vice president for student life, in fact, at the time, it was vice president for student services. I was over custodial services. I was over campus security. And I was over everything that took place on the campus relating to housing and student life. And then custodial services were shifted over to an outside contractor. Change. I was no longer in charge of that part. Um, I mean, and then we, we have a new administration. Um we everybody as the new administration comes in, there's new opportunities, new things that are taking place, and I end up being director of church and community and community engagement and public affairs, something that I'm well suited for as far as, and but and one of the reasons is because of this radio show and the relationships that I've made and and see through all of that change, and I I mean that's just a. I mean I've 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 done 18 um I think 18 19 different interims over the last 20 years. And you talk about change. I mean being in a church that's dealing with change and leading them through that process, helping them to find a new pastor. I mean all my whole life has been about change. And you know, I think everybody could point to things that change about life sometimes we're happy about the change sometimes we're not happy but the but the real thing that that matters is how we deal with change you know and and here's the here's the thing that's been so good about the change that's come into my life over over the years North Greenville has been incredibly good to me I mean that you know even though I went I went through changes, In my relationship with North Greenville, each change has opened up new opportunities for me to use the gifts that God has blessed me with to somehow serve him in a way that matters. And the same thing has been true for his radio. I mean, my wife's been here for 25 years. I've been doing the show for 20 years. They didn't have to let me do this. They didn't have to give me this platform. I mean, but they did. And it was life-changing for me to be able to do this show, to develop an audience, to meet people, to have opportunities that I wouldn't have had without the show. Nobody nobody invites me to go with a group of Christian leaders down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon for eight, ten days for free without this radio program. Nobody invites me to go first class to Israel and get to go places in Israel that most people will never get to see if I'm not... The host of a radio show. I, I don't get to, there's so many things that I could throw into that pot. Those are the two most obvious, but there's so many other things that have happened. I don't get to go to CPAC. I don't get to broadcast live from CPAC, the largest conservative uh, meeting in the country. And back in the day when CPAC was amazing, I was there when Rush Limbaugh spoke, I sat in the, in the fifth row. You know, I don't get to go to Family Research Council policy events in Washington, D.C., and do my radio show live there and meet people like Gary Bauer or um, Ed Meese or, you know, people that I've been able to get to know. And and yet all that opportunity has been afforded me. So am I sad that I'm not going to do the radio show anymore in the forum that it's in? Of course It's going to be a lot of nostalgia flowing out of here, starting tomorrow, with Austin, who was with me for, what, a year and a half? Um, Hannah, who was with me for, what, four years, three, four, ever how many? Uh, Lisa, who's been—and Lisa just confirmed that she's coming Friday. So, you know, and Corey. I mean, my goodness, all of these people have been a part of his radio. Because they let me be a part. So, again, uh, no one should think that I harbor ill feelings or anything like that. I'm, I'm not sad about the—I mean, I would like for the format to continue. I do think it's important. But I respect the people that are making this decision. And they certainly have every right to make it. Now I can, I can, like I said to John, I said I can hang my head. And and look, you can do the same thing. You can say, oh well, I, I don't get to listen to to anybody anymore. And I'm not, please, I'm not making fun of John. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying that we tend to look at the negative and go, I'm losing my ability to hear David Jeremiah. I'm losing my ability to hear, um, you know, Tony Beam. I'm losing my ability to hear. Um, whoever else that you would name, okay? here Here's the thing. We live in an incredibly technologically information saturated world. You don't have to lose your ability to listen to anybody. You think you can't listen to David Jeremiah by simply going to the david to the uh, the website. I guarantee you you can listen to David Jeremiah just like you'd be able to listen to me. Now, is it as easy as putting your radio on a dial? No but it's actually easier because those recordings are out there. You can listen to them when you want to. You can go to David Jeremiah's website. I guarantee you can listen to any sermon, any show. I get He's got them archived, I'm sure. Now, do I know for sure because I've been there? No, but I know that everybody does that. So you actually have more control over when and how you can have the things that you want. You're not tied to a specific time of day. There's actually benefits to some of this. It's just that I got to learn how to do it. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a novice, but I'm getting there. So All right. Uh for the rest of the Yeah, you yeah, know, you know what? I'm gonna hold this for later this week. I just made a look at that. I just made a decision. I was about to go in a direction and uh, just decided... I've been waiting 20 years for you, for you to do that. All right. Yeah. Okay. And and today's the day. It's a good thing we got it in, just under the wire. Uh, but somebody sent me an um, article called 1,200 People Were Asked Why They Left Christianity. Here's what they said. Uh, it's about Dan Foster. And I read it. Um, I, I, I haven't read. He references two studies, one by a guy named Flannery, and one guy by a guy named Butler, and the Flannery article is actual research. It's kind of the research that forms the basis of the twelve hundred people that were asked why they left Christianity. And then um, he, of course, Josh Butler is at Gospel Coalition, and he lists four reasons why people deconstruct. Now that's what it's that's what they're calling the it, calling it deconstruction. Uh, for those who walk away from Christianity, so anyway i am telling you more about it than than I'm into, but it in the bottom line is it is an analysis of two different ways of describing the reason that people walk away from the church, and both of them get it wrong um, and so tomorrow, maybe while austin's here um we'll we're I'm going to talk about this um because I responded, I usually don't respond when people send me stuff like this, like on uh, Messenger, or I usually don't respond. But I took probably an hour yesterday afternoon and I responded at length because I think this is an important question that needs to be answered. Because the question is, why are so many people walking away from Christianity? There's a lot of that happening in our world today. And. There's there there's an answer to that that is fully biblical, um, and, and there are some of the reasons that are cited by people that are walking away. A lot of those, really all of them, reflect the attitudes of people who are in the church, and I do believe that we have a problem with that. I, I think the church has got to learn how to live in a world where we're not the majority anymore— and and where it's no longer taboo to attack Christian people, uh, but it's actually the thing to do. I mean, if you if you really want to get some cred online, um, if you really want to get a lot of clicks, then go after anything that's traditional. Go after traditional marriage. Go after uh, Christianity. Go after a traditional understanding of the Constitution. Go. A- I mean, that. We live in a world where that, that feeds itself on the destruction of norms, and norms are norms for a reason. I mean, there are things that have been in place for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years because the truth of them is revealed in the longevity of the fact that it's been embraced by so many people for so long. So anyway, um, I that I, I just think— that because that's a, such an important question that we need to to deal with it and the church needs to be honest about it we need to face up to the fact that we haven't been very good at being engaging and winsome and and it's gotten worse and and I do I do in some way lay this at the feet of Donald Trump because Donald Trump has made it possible or popular for people to be caustic and to use vulgarity and to be just downright combative with each other, I mean it and and that has leaked over from the political actually it's more of a leak it's than a leak, it's a flood. It's flooded over from the political realm into the church, where we now believe somehow that the way that we we get our message across is that we become caustic and belligerent, and we use vulgarity and we You know, and we're turning people off. We're embracing things that Christianity teaches specifically against, and many times we're embracing them because we think we have to in the world that we live in today, rather than depending on the sovereignty of God and believing that doing things the way God has called us to is now and has always been the best way for us as believers to communicate to a lost world. And if we don't believe that, I mean, I— to me if if i believed that embracing the world's way of communicating is better than following god's commandments and clear teaching about how we communicate with each other if i believe that the world's way was better i would call into question christianity because if if there's something that the world has come upon that's better than what we're called to be as Christians, then maybe Christianity is not maybe the way. But see, it is the way, um, and 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 it should be defended. And you know, if so, I'm just saying that if I believe that, I don't. I still believe that God's way is the best way, and so we need to be honest. People are walking away from the church many times because Christians don't embody the the truth. And there are many things in Scripture that addresses this, the parable of the wheat and the tares that we've talked about before. You know, wheat and the tares. Jesus was pretty clear about this, don't you think? Um, they they were—the the wheat and the tares, they grew together, and only the Lord of the harvest knew the difference— and so they grew together until the day that the Lord of the harvest shows up and then the tares are gathered up and cast in the fire and the wheat is brought into the barn. The The parable, Jesus even took the time to call his disciples aside because they came to him and they said, What are you talking, you know? And it was explained to them, just like the the parable of the seed and the sower. And so we're going to live in this world as wheat among the tares, or there's tares among the wheat, however you want to look at it. But there's always going to be more tares than wheat in the world that we live in. And our responsibility is to be faithful to the Lord of the harvest and wait for him to come to sort ultimately everything out. We don't execute that kind of judgment now. Okay. I got a text message uh, just now from a friend who said this? I agree 100% with what you're saying on your radio show this morning, Tony. Thanks for your consistent word of voice of biblical reason. It seems dialogue is dead, and Christians are holding the smoking gun. Wow. Um, yeah, and 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 I'm I'm saying that because I think there's there's truth in that. We we can't be responsible for the death of good dialogue. In fact. If that's true, that we're and I and I believe by the way we are, I think Christians are uh, responsible for the way we respond to any hostility that comes our way, um, and to the extent that we're responsible, we we gotta we gotta lay down the gun, let the smoke clear, and reestablish a biblical understanding of what it means to engage in our culture in the twenty first century, and that's part of what this new podcast radio well not radio but internet show is going to be about truth and politics and culture so i hope you'll go to drtonybeam.com starting next monday drtonybeam.com at seven thirty. and by the way next week i'm going to have to do two shows a day because i don't want to uh do you know um I, I don't want to do that this week if i if i do a series of shows this week they're going to be out way out of date. But after next week, then we're going to California for a week to visit my son, who, um, you know, and so I've got to have these shows ready to go so that they can, I mean, I don't want to do the show, new show for a week and then not have it for a week. That would not be good. So I got to figure out, you know, somebody can throw those shows up there for me um, if if there's some way to do that. So um, we'll be working on that this week, too. Lots to do, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Um, climate change. You know, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, the new IPCC report and how it's, uh, you know, it's 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 devastating. Here's here's what um, Guterres, Antonio Guterres, who is the U.N. Secretary General, when he looked at this report, he said, we're closer to the brink. We are this close to climate catastrophe. Humanity is on thin ice. The climate time bomb is ticking. We don't have a moment to lose. You know, Earth is going to reach the point of no return by the 2030s unless we act now to reverse course, and the U.N. report agrees. Now, I'm just going to go back and give you a timeline here um, of, you know, what's been said over time about this same topic If you're because this is this is a column today at National Review by Beckett Adams, and it really does a good job of going back through the years and looking at these predictions. After this paragraph about the IPCC and Antonio Guterres, he says, if you're experiencing deja vu, reading these dire predictions and warnings, that's because you have, in fact, been here before. Climate scientists and alarmists have prophesied the planet's imminent demise nearly every year now, dating back to at least the end of the Second World War. We don't have 12 years to save the climate, we have 14 months. That's what Think Progress said 43 months ago. And by the way, Think Progress is now defunct. I mean, maybe because they think that climate change is so real that it put them out of business, even though we're still here. Former French Prime Minister Laurent Fabius warned 3,239 days ago that the international community had only 500 days to avoid climate chaos. Did you hear what I said? That was 3,239 days ago. As far as I know, we still don't have climate chaos. Earlier in 2009, Gordon Brown, the UK's Prime Minister at the time, said we have fewer than 50 days to save our planet from catastrophe. That was in 2009. Also, by the way, in 2009, former Vice President Al Gore declared that there's a 75% chance that the entire North Polar ice cap during some of the summer months could be completely ice-free within the next five to seven years. In 2013, mid-melt, the Guardian ran the following headline, U.S. Navy Predicts Ice-Free Arctic by 2016. The ice is still there. Okay. It's still there today. NASA scientists, we're toast. Reads the headline at an Associated uh, in an Associated uh, Press report from when 2008. So we were toast in 2008. It's 2023. In 2007. The IPCC predicted Himalayan glaciers would disappear by 2035. The UN's chief climate science body retracted that claim in 2010, explaining that the prediction wasn't based on any peer-reviewed data, but on a media interview with a scientist conducted in 1999. Great. We're now making predictions about the end of the world based on a science, uh, one scientist? I mean, what's the difference between that and... And somebody who is a believer who mistakenly goes around saying the end of the world is going to come at a specific time. Jesus is coming back that day. In 2006, Gore claimed that unless world leaders took drastic measures to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, Earth would surpass the point of no return in 10 years, a true planetary emergency. The year 2016 came and went, and now we're being told the early 2030s are the real point of no return the guardian citing a secret report quote warned in 2004 that major european cities will be sunk beneath rising seas as britain is plunged into a siberian climate by 2020 the year 2022 was the uk's warmest since they started keeping records in 1884 so the prediction was that they would be they would have a Siberian climate because of climate change. In 2022, two years after that was supposed to happen, they had the warmest summer on record. And guess why they had the warmest summer on record? Climate change. You got it. Whether it's cold or hot doesn't matter. It's climate. It's all climate change. UN predicts disaster if global warming not checked. The AP reported. In 1989, the report's opening line reads, Senior U.N. environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend isn't reversed by the year 2000. Now we're we're going back. In 1974, Time magazine published a feature story titled Another Ice Age. It was one of several reports and articles warning not about warming but about cooling. A Reuters wire story warned in 1974 that a new ice age could grip the world within the lifetime of present generations. Space satellites show new ice age coming fast, the Guardian reported in 1974. The Washington Post in 1971 reported U.S. scientists sees new ice age coming, but before that, it was warming. Experts say Arctic Ocean will soon be an open sea. Catastrophic shifts and climate feared if change occurs, other specialists see no thinning of polar ice cap, the New York Times reported in 1969. Earlier, in 1947, the New York Times also reported warming Arctic climate, melting glaciers faster, raising oceans, oceans levels, scientists say. Here's a bit of friendly advice for the true believers in climate change camp. Settle on a number. You're not going to win skeptics and middle of the rotors so long as you keep shifting your predictions and getting the time frame for the planet's environmental implosion wrong. So that's just a little walk back. See, I believe that we're contributing. I believe the climate is changing. And I believe human activity is, some of the, uh, is, is somewhat a contributor, but is it catastrophic? Is it a reason for the government to come in and tell you you can't have a gas stove? Is it a reason for the government to come in and tell you you can't have a gasoline car? You've got to have an electric car? No. You see, it's all about the government telling you how to live your life. And it's not going to make any difference. If every other government in the world doesn't do it and, it, and again, like we talked about on Friday, if you think for a minute that Xi Jinping in China is going to hamper their economy or cut back on their advantages that they're working toward over the West for one second to change the outcome of global warming, um, you're being deceived. That's the best thing I can tell you. Join us tomorrow. Austin will be here. It'll be a fun day, and you have a great day in between. Four more days to go, and then we're switching over to the Internet. The opinions expressed on today's program are those of the announcers, their guests, and callers, and do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of His Radio Talk, His Radio Network, or the Radio Training Network.